Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild. Thank you so much for joining us as each week we explore creativity, imagination, and we have uh, some great ideas for creativity and imagination that we're going to be talking about on this week's episode. As always, is with me the wonderful Joy. I'm here. And myself. Nick. Also here. And we are um, (laughs) so thrilled because we have our very first uh, return guest coming back to the show. Um, with us this week is Sarah Close. Sarah, say hi to everybody. Hello. <laughs> Sarah. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Sarah is joining us uh, via satellite. Satellite. So we don't have a satellite. Mm-hmm. Personal satellite. Phones kind of work that way, right? Uh, Sarah is joining us though <laughs> via via phone call as. Uh, this episode, whenever you might be listening to it there in the future, is being recorded, record, recorded, recorded, recorded during the quarantined. It is and uh, as you can tell, we're a little weird um, because we've all been <laughs> stuck inside for at least a week two now. Weeks. It's been if almost not longer. Two weeks. Yeah, oh, I have so not. Long. Yeah, I have not left the house in two weeks, guys. So you could be listening to this on a beach surrounded by a thousand and one of your best friends because the quarantine is over for you in the future. But as it's being recorded right now, we're all alone and isolated. So we have uh, this this week alone, Joy and I have been recording episodes to kind of stack a few things and, and use this time to, to chat with people. And so Sarah has been kind enough to join us again with our first re-return of a guest and it's very 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 exciting (laughs) and uh glad glad you're with us sarah thank you i'm excited to be the first uh re-returner of the show (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) good good you know it's like it's a you know high praise i guess to have to come back pretty cool i mean you said yes so we're excited that you'd want to come back again like i guess it wasn't that bad i'll I'll do that again yeah (laughs) Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're super excited that you're here with us. And um, just for a little bit of background about Sarah, Sarah is in graphic design. Um, you're, are you a She's senior? in it. She is, she is digital. She is graphic design herself. <laughs> she has digitally encoded herself. She's a logo. Yeah. Um, but Sarah is in graphic design at NIU and are you, a, you're a senior this year, right? Yes. This yeah. is my, this is my last semester. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was my last semester. It still is, guys. Yes, it's still, I yeah. just got done with, uh, one of my evening classes. So one of my online evening classes now, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. It's a strange time. So you're finishing your senior year completely online with this whole uh, uh, COVID-19 quarantine that the state of Illinois and the whole United States at this point and a lot of the world are dealing with. And so what's what what's it like just kind of off the bat here uh, as a senior, your last semester, like you said, I'm sure you've got a lot of things you had planned or hoped for lined up. What are some of the the emotions that are swirling with all this? <laughs> um, well, I I do have to say that it's been a lot of ups and downs. I don't think there's a single person out there right now who isn't affected by this uh, COVID nineteen um, thing. It's all disrupted our lives 
in different ways. And um, yeah, for me, it was just the end of my senior year was kind of just done uh, like mm-hmm. that. We so we um, we originally got an email from our president at our university saying that they were going to close school for an extra, I think it was two weeks after our spring break. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, that's not that bad. Like I can kind of deal with that. I mean, but I'll give me more time to work on my senior project and whatnot. And yes. then all of a sudden there was an email and it was just like, we are really sorry, but we can't open school again for the safety of the students, which is, totally understandable most Mm. I think most colleges and universities across the United States are done for the semester I don't think there's a single school out there that's putting their students back in because by the time I think in um, Illinois the official quarantine is supposed to be up uh, tentatively it's April April 7th I think yes April 7th Um, Mm. and so by the time we would have hit that date and then our finals were are during like the week of May 9th or some or May 9th is graduation so they were oh like, my gosh yeah I don't we're not that's like no zero that. time yeah that's zero time right wow so they just switched just to online learning um and like I will admit the first few days of just trying to process what's going on in the world you know not only with like the news and just hearing about these issues that are happening with lack of medical supplies and Mm. um, places closing. But um, I went from, you know, being in the middle of my last semester at NIU to I lost both of my jobs on campus. Um, Our last class had happened like three weeks ago and none of us even knew it. And we all had to make this sudden jump from, you know, physically seeing our stuff to learning how to go online. And mm-hmm. I mourned a lot of the events that were supposed to take place. Like we were supposed to have a lot of celebrations for the end of the year. And we were sure. supposed to have our, um, our big uh, portfolio show, which ended up getting rescheduled, thank goodness, to um, August. So oh, that's great. Uh, graduation got rescheduled to August too, which for a while we didn't know what was going to happen with those. And so that like was killer. Right. You know, all this time, everything that I had worked for, is it just going to be, you know, done like that? And so, yeah, there is a lot of ups and downs, but, um, I'd say I'm adjusting pretty well now, but it did take a significant amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Now when all of this happened, you were actually in another country, correct? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So that sounds like it would make it more stressful than for the average American. Yeah, that, so that was a little, um, insane. I, so the week, everything kind of went nuts. Um, I was taking a spring break trip, a study abroad trip technically to an art academy in Katowice, Poland. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to stay there at the academy for a week. We're going to do some sightseeing, but mm-hmm. we we're also going to participate in some workshops and things. And that was really cool. Um, it was my first time out of the country. Uh, we had so many things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while we were out there, we started to see things escalate in the U.S. news. Um, and Poland started reacting because of the numbers that were going up in Italy and Germany, mm-hmm. the number of cases. Mm-hmm. And so 
they were kind of making their own calls. Um, the Tuesday that we were there, Poland started closing all cinemas, um, local museums, any tourist attractions, malls started closing. Like they were starting to do their own closure without any government, you know, mandates or anything. Mm-hmm. And so our school that we were at closed on the Wednesday of our spring break. And we're like, well, you know, they let us stay there. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, wow. And then we woke up on Thursday morning to find out that um, Donald Trump was uh, going to close the borders to anybody coming from Europe. Mm-hmm. And that happened overnight for us. And so it was kind of terrifying. But and then we found out that you know, there'd be exceptions for U.S. citizens, which kind of relieved our stress. But also we were nervous that our original flight um, was going to get canceled since it was on Monday and the travel ban started on Friday at midnight. And so we're yeah. like, I woke up and I heard my professor just like I heard her say um, the airline that we were supposed to take home. And I'm like, oh, no, how are we supposed to get back? And um we had, yeah, just a wild time. We ended up getting the last flight out of Munich, Germany wow. to oh the U.S. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of scary. But NIU did a really good job of um, helping us. They were the ones that rebooked our tickets, and they were the ones that took care of us the whole time. So I mm. am super thankful for them. They did a great job, and they handled it really well. Um but yeah, that was kind of surreal too. So when I got back, I was just like, wow, this is, <laughs> all right, this is reality now. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. That sounds like such a huge um, shift. <laughs> like, oh, I'm in this other country doing stuff and like sightseeing. And now it's like, I'm in my house and I cannot leave, period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so once we got back, we were on, um, I'm actually still technically on, quarantine for Mm -hmm. another um I think it's like three days Mm -hmm. and then I can you know officially go outside again but I you know since we're at a stay-at-home order I don't really have any like purpose to go to the stores and stuff so right right yeah no it's true stay home stay safe Mm -hmm. so um obviously a lot has happened in the last few weeks and specifically (laughs) with you as you've mentioned (laughs) but um you know, as we as we continue to explore creativity, even in the midst of crisis or the midst of chaos, um, like with this class, uh, this this study abroad class, like the expectations for that. What were what were some of the goals or the expectations for that class, and um, that you were still able to gather uh, from it, even though it was cut short or didn't necessarily end the way you wanted it to? Um, what are some of the the things that you learned from that? Um, so I think, so we did a few workshops there, um, where we kind of quickly made brochures or we quickly made posters. They're kind of more like, uh, design sprints almost, Mm. um, which those were really interesting. Uh, I learned a lot about language barrier and, um, a lot of our projects were based on, uh, communicating things without words because, Mm you know, Polish and English. And even though some of the professors there speak English, it's usually just very minimal English. So, mm-hmm. uh, we would have a translator most of the time, but, um, 
Yeah, the, I guess the value of being able to communicate something to somebody without speaking the same language as them, like it creates this really interesting, um, kind of like eureka moment. You're like, oh, we're on the same page, even though we don't, you know, say literally say the same words. And um, so I think that that was like one of the main takeaways from those sessions. But I guess I, I think I learned more from just being at the school and seeing art in a different culture there mm-hmm. um so a, a lot of ways they're very like the polish students in the school that we were at were very similar to us and that was i don't know what i was expecting i think i was expecting it to be europe i was like oh man they're so good at design they let all these you know like the swiss design movement and all these things happen the polish poster school and all of these things happened over there and mm-hmm. you know i don't know what i was expecting maybe i expected them to be light years ahead of us in terms of graphic design but i saw a lot more similarities which kind of made me feel really good in a way i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> to know that like design is more universal than i thought it was yeah and even though there are certain cultural differences and um you know over there, they value posters and like physical design, I think, a lot more than we do here in America. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was just a lot of common bonds, and that was really cool to see that someplace so far away is so similar to um, something you're so familiar with. So, yeah, you mentioned like the language barrier. And it it made me think a little bit just in general, you know, as a graphic designer, as uh, someone who is in uh, visual communications, the the language of design uh, far outweighs the language of the written word. Um, probably most often when you consider logos and you consider uh, graphics and what what catches your attention isn't necessarily always words, but it's images. And I wonder if... Um, that experience, the immersion of being in another culture where you had to work beyond just the borders of, of language and understanding, but using images and visual design to communicate, um, you know, truth and communicate, uh, a, a, um, a direction or a pathway between both groups. Did that give you a better appreciation for that type of design work for graphic arts or for how you would, uh, think about visual design in the future? Yeah, I think it it definitely made me think more about um, certain symbols and certain things that I do in my work. Um, I mean, because there are certain things that mean the same things, like visually, that mean the same things over there. And then there's other things um, that don't. Like something that might be more easily communicated in English and in the English language through a visual symbol or something we easily recognize in our culture might not be the same there, I guess. And so Mm. it made me question a lot more of, okay, during the workshop, like, am I using a symbol or, you know, something that is going to mean the same thing to them as it does to me. And so um, it made me more, a little bit more aware of my audience and Mm. just thinking bigger about you know more than just what does this mean to me but like what does this mean to everybody does this mean the same thing 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is um, really interesting. I'm sitting here thinking about like um, symbols and design and being able to communicate with people in another language. And um, I've been outside the country only twice. And um, the first time I went to Mexico and I knew enough Spanish to uh, get by. And so um, I was able to read a few things, you know, and and know what I was looking at. Um, But then the second time I went to Israel and I knew, I I mean, I knew like nothing. I I knew nothing. Um, (laughs) none of the language, I had no clue, obviously, how to read it. They use a totally different, like, orthography than we do. Um, and I remember, like, looking at signs and, and, like, symbols and things like that and trying to figure out, like, where is the bathroom, though? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, what is happening right now? And, that sign says not to do something, I can tell because there's a line through it, but I don't really know what it's saying not to do. Um, and and the way that we interpret things, um, you know, or we can interpret things differently, you know, depending on culture. And um, it's like that's that's a language in and of itself. But um, but it is really cool that there are some things that are more universal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The one thing that I was really surprised that wasn't more universal was um, the emergency exit signs in the school. Mm. And I, because they weren't, I didn't understand what it was. I almost set off the fire alarm by accident (laughs) because so in our rooms, they had a button for unlocking the door and then they had a button for like emergencies. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know it at the time. It was emergency. So this button is green colored, right? And oh, it's no. got a big black dot in the middle. And it's got two arrows that are pointing at the black dot. Like, it's yeah. basically saying, like, push me. And it's got a little man <laughs> running on it. And so I'm thinking, he's running out the door. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, this is the exit. And <laughs> so I'm, like, pushing it. And nothing's happening to the door. And then, like, I'm pushing it. And I hear this, like, the piece of plastic that I'm pushing like crack and break. And I was like, (gasps) and I was like, Oh my gosh, I turned around to my friend and I was like, uh, did I just, um, how do we, how do I get out of this door first of all? And did I just break this? And she's like, uh, I think that's a fire alarm. And I was like, Oh goodness. Okay. Well maybe if I would have pushed it harder and then like broken it even further, I might've like, I probably would have set off some sort of alarm because (laughs) yeah, it just, but I mean like you would think that, no, in America, like all of our emergency exit stuff is red, and then yeah, well, there it, it was all green, and yeah. I was like, "What?" Yeah, well, and here, like, it's funny because you said emergency exit, and instantly I like saw the exit, the red exit sign above, like every emergency exit um, that we, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and I was like, "Oh yeah, or that's like not a, a symbol. We just have or whatever." Yeah, but like when we have an emergency exit, it's just the word exit. <laughs> Like that's not actually like a symbol at all. It's green. It's time to go. It's time to get out. Yeah. (laughs) Stop. The exit is here. If it makes you feel any better, I even the man that was running out the door wasn't enough of a symbol for me to realize. Like, oh, this means emergency exit. So I don't know. Maybe it was just a user experience on my end, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you were describing it, I was like, oh yeah, green. 
button arrows pointing to it that means yeah push it push the button (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) that's really interesting um so then when you were there i i did happen to see a couple of pictures that you had posted um you know just from where you were and uh the architecture there looks absolutely incredible um and and the design and the um art that you can see um just just being out and um i'm sure that those are tourist attractions and things like that but visually it was really stunning um in some of the pictures that you that you posted uh what was that mm-hmm. kind of what was that like and was it um kind of in more specific areas or was it more widespread so the places that we were at uh the first weekend were more touristy sites so um we went to now I'm really bad with like remembering facts and stuff so I don't remember whose house we were at but we were at some royalty <laughs> uh their summer home mm-hmm. and that was it had some really nice beautiful architecture and um you know paintings that look like things that I've talked about in art history mm-hmm. I've you know I've seen them in the Art Institute of Chicago but I've never seen them in their what would be like their original context and so that was mm-hmm. really that was very interesting to me. That was one of the moments where I was like, wow, okay, this is what this painting would have done outside of the museum. And so Mm -hmm. um, that was really interesting. Um, But one of like the, I guess the coolest parts about that architecture and those things that are there is that um, if, you know, some of them have survived through world wars and it's astonishing that those things even made it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the houses that we were at, you could actually see in the back of one of the stone fences, uh, bullet holes from World War II, where the um, house had gotten shot at. And it was, you know, it's kind of like, you don't really think about that in America. Like, we don't mm-hmm. really, like, war on our home turf is so far in our history that, um, you know, it's not really... I mean, maybe if you're in Hawaii or something, it might be a little bit, uh, you know, more thought about. But Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of Illinois, that feels like something so far away. And so um, anytime you would see anything artistic, uh, architecture wise, not only was it stunning that it was, you know, just the way it looked, but um, that it was there. And so it was it was kind of scattered throughout here and there. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was all in a collective place, but Mm -hmm. we did see there was a lot of churches that stood the test of time. So Mm -hmm. um, we were, those were really cool. Those were pretty, those were the most common things that we saw. So that's cool. Um, So with all of that and with, um, you know, coming back from the trip and getting started in your online classes, um, obviously a lot of your work is computer-based anyway um and you you know it's graphic design and and, um and you can do a lot of that work on the computer but what has it been like um if you have projects and things like that um adjusting to this sort of like this is how I this is how I do my design now and how do you um do you ever do any sort of more um hands-on like this is an actual material project um and and then 
like that submission process and how is this all affecting you um, on a creative level? Yeah. So I think one of the things that is really lucky, yeah, about my major, like you said, that it, a lot of it is digital, um, which, you know, for music majors and for sculpture majors and for painting majors, you know, that's something that's so much harder for them to transition. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, make pottery online? Right. You know, it's yeah. like we, like, I'm very lucky that I'm in a class, um, in a major where my, I don't necessarily need a studio to do my work. Um, but the, I think the hardest thing now is just our, like, I miss, um, the human interaction um, yeah. in design and like relying on other students, checking in with other people, seeing how other people are doing, asking for help and critique. And um, it feels a little more lonely, I guess, because I'm at my house in my room doing it by myself, which wouldn't really change if I was in DeKalb, but I'd at least be meeting with people every week. And right. so now my online work, um, yes, it's all very digitally based now. So physical prototypes for our senior projects may or may not happen for a mm. while. We'll see. Um, and part of my project is physical too. So I was kind of, I'm like, Oh no, now what am I going to do about that? But, right. um, yeah, I miss the human critiques and, um, I miss checking in with people, even if it's just us goofing around and not doing what we're supposed to. I, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in a way it was sometimes a distraction mm -hmm. and it's now it feels a lot harder for me to, you know, something I would just ask someone in class. Now I have to message them and wait mm -hmm. for their response. And my professors right. are overwhelmed with emails trying to find everything and fill everything out. So they don't have a ton of time to, you know, I mean like they're there, but they have, a lot going on too so I don't want to like suck up all their time too so sure 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 it has been a switch but um I brought home as many physical materials I mean I'm in my sketchbook a lot mm. so that helps get me out of my computer and kind of get me uh started so that's yeah. usually where I start but yeah that's cool um that you are making that conscious choice to you know like step back and um go back and do something that you enjoy um on a more physical level um because you know I'm sure that that would be a difficult adjustment to make um and even uh even in my own experience I'm working remotely and I'm working from home entirely right now and uh, I used to well I mean like I'm sure I will when everything is over but I used to share an office space with like I don't know, like 16 other people. Um, and so if I needed something or had a question about something, I could just like poke my head around my cubicle and say like, hey, do you guys know about such and such? Or can you help me understand this or that? Um, or I could use your help with something. And it was much simpler. Now it is, um, like you said, got to send an email, make a phone call, something like that and wait for a response and even then it's not always that simple because they can't just show you how to do something 
Um, mm-hmm. It's this very in-depth, step-by-step, here's how you do it um, kind of situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I, I think it's great that you are choosing to uh, say, like, I'm going to do this more, um, uh, more sensory, I guess, work of, you know, spending time in your sketchbook and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that I'm, I guess I'm wondering about is what helps you, like, as you're, you are quarantined, you're home, um, with your family right now, you're not in your usual, um, school element or probably and probably not your usual creative element either um what kinds of things do you do to keep yourself going creatively um you know so that you are still um still spending this time enjoying the work that you're doing and and um and wanting to create more and and what is inspiring you and what is um keeping you hopeful Oh, man, I am probably going to have to admit here that I haven't really been feeling super creative and motivated to do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being this whole transition and like just the loss of this chunk of time that feels so important to my education Mm -hmm. has been really difficult. And I have found it really, really hard for me to actually get up during the day and do my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will have to say that I haven't really done a whole lot. Um, more just like processing, um, sometimes distraction with social media. Um, but today actually was the first day that I got up and I did some of my work for my senior project again. And mm. um, I think a lot of it, which that was really exciting because um, I haven't done that in two weeks. And I remembered how much I actually like this project. And um, I think it just, I kind of had just had to force myself to start. And even if I didn't get, you know, six, seven hours of work, in or whatever a full day of work that's really exhausting anyways and so I was never holding myself to that expectation but right just starting I think helped kind of get things flowing and um, I kind of have a little bit of a schedule I'm trying to follow Um, I'm not super great at that yet because I mean I really enjoy sleeping too so (laughs) I have nowhere to be I will kids sleep till maybe like 11 or 12 in the afternoon. Right. But um, I'm taking an online coding class right now. And it's just kind of like a do at your own pace class. So um, I'm kind of making up for the lack of structure I have right now by doing that every day. Yeah. And um, just giving myself small goals to achieve and not trying to, I think there's this temptation for me to put all this pressure on myself because, you know, now I have so much time. Technically I have no jobs. I am at home and I literally can't leave my house. So Mm. my senior project should come out of this amazing. And, you know, I think a lot of creative people feel that way too, of like we should be creating our most magnificent art right now because we have so much time. But 
I mean, there's a lot going on in the world too. And so I Mm -hmm. don't think, I think if we don't give ourselves a fair chance to process that and think about what's happening and, you know, like take care of family and important things first, then we don't, sorry, my doorbell just rang. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's all right. Um, That's funny. Yeah. So like we have to give ourselves, you know, the opportunity to process what's going on in the world and to help other people first before we put our creativity first. So, Mm. but I think just starting is what has gotten me um, to be creative and to remember what I enjoy doing and remember that, you know, I can enjoy things even though the world sucks outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think for a lot of people, they 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 expect a correct answer or a correct uh, way of handling what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and while there's certainly wrong ways to handle what's happening, as we have seen in our government, <laughs> um, uh, there is mo- <laughs> uh, more than anything there is there is freedom though still in. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say in the in the grace and in direction of of saying I don't have to I don't have to have the answer for what this looks like in my life completely. Yeah. Like I know what is wrong in terms of my response to what is going on, mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't have to have it all figured out because um and we were talking Joy and I were talking about this a couple nights ago, <laughs> maybe. Probably. Uh, everything's running together now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's not really, there's there's like no one in our lifetime who's still alive even who has experienced what we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no frame of reference really for it. Um, mm-hmm. The last global pandemic, which was still even a fraction of what is happening now, was over 100 years ago. And so there's, you can't, like no one can say, oh yeah, so last time this happened, this is what I did and this is what will help you. We're all guessing and checking here. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously the, there's obviously clear wrong ways to do it. But when it comes to some of those right things, there's no one right way to handle it. You know, if you get a project done, awesome. If you take care of yourself, awesome. If you take care of other people, awesome. If you just stay home and survive, awesome. Like there, (laughs) and, uh, cause you're right. Like we, and I'm this type of person, 100%, you know, I want all these goals or things to work out because, yeah, I've got time or I've got the, the focus or whatever. And even on days when I feel like I have more time or mo- more focus on a normal routine schedule that's not like what it is now, mm-hmm. I find ways to distract myself and keep myself from doing what I need to do. <laughs> so this in some ways makes it harder, not easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, with, uh, with all of this going on, um, and I think that Nick's right, you know, like finding that right way of handling it is going to be different for everyone. Um, I think we talked the other night, I said something about how, um, like in this time I'm, I'm finding myself wanting to do more creative things, um, that I didn't have time to think about before. Um, and, and now um, being home, wanting to, um, I still have tons of work. I, st- I have more work than ever, but being still and in one place 
is affording me the opportunity to say like I want to you know listen to music just for the sake of listening to it and um I think that in in all of the things that I have seen coming out of this uh music is one that seems to permeate every culture every location everything everyone is um sort of diving back into music whether it's something that they are uh inherently good at or or something that they're trained in or skilled in or not everyone is kind of going back to that and they're spending more time in that um and i think that that is because music can it can carry emotion in a way that um few other things can um Mm -hmm. so i think that what you're describing is probably true for for a lot of us that uh it's hard right now to adjust and it's hard to figure out like you know what what the thing is that I'm going to be moving forward in yeah um but just starting yeah yeah just take that first step for sure yeah so um you've kind of talked a little bit about what you're working on with regard to your senior project but I'd like to move into our next segment called what we going to do today and if it's okay with you maybe we can unpack that a little bit more yeah totally. awesome awesome so here we go what we going to do today hey hey what we going to do today hey hey what we going to do today i can't wait tell me what we're doing today all right this segment is called what are we going to do today? And in this segment, we talk about projects that we're working on, things that we're interested in. We shout out uh, any listeners who've written in about their projects, anybody who has shared that stuff with us. And um, we use it as a way of holding ourselves accountable. Other people use it as a way of holding themselves accountable. And um, so, yeah, we just like to share about that and, and what's going on. Uh, so, Nick, what is going on? What you working on right now? What's going on? Uh, well, <laughs> I was going to say something funny, like my beach body, but, <laughs> you know, we we all know that's not true. <laughs> I think I saw a tweet somewhere um, early on in all this, I think from Ben Schwartz, uh, John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. And uh, where he said, look, can we just all agree as a society that we're going to be like 15 to 30 pounds heavier when this is all over and it's okay? <laughs> It's just like, oh, that's just fine. Everyone's just fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody say anything. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, I think I mentioned uh, previ- on a previous episode with some of the stuff going on right now, um, and even obviously earlier, like there is that idea that I'd love to say I'm going to get some of these other projects done, but... Without the pressure, as we've talked about, without that pressure to to finish those things, um, I'm gonna be slowly working on that stuff. But also, I'm I'm trying to use a lot of this time for input um, and like rest and rejuvenation through intaking art and creativity. So, reading books and and watching. Um, online videos about art and creativity, um, using some of those free trials that people are putting out there right now because of all this, the crisis stuff, like, please be entertained by watching our stuff. Here's two months of whatever for free. It's like, (laughs) sweet. Yeah, I'll do that. Sign up and 
set my reminder to delete that as soon as it's uh, the trial's over. But like using some of those things, <laughs> using some of those things to uh, like to my advantage, you know, um, to educate myself. Like I'm not, I'm not doing school the same way you're doing school right now, Sarah. Uh, but um, that idea of you know wanting to learn and be educated and to continue learning. Um, is definitely something I'm passionate about. And so I'm trying to basically say to myself, if I'm not making something, then I'm intaking something. So that way I have like mm. this reserve of information and creativity that then later on I can use. Mm. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. That's cool. I think that's, that's pretty great. Um, I'm doing some creative things not as many as uh, i think i i was gonna um i baked today so that Ooh. was cool um i used a recipe as a guideline instead of like a, a be all end all i usually am very strict about following recipes this calls for flour i'm gonna put in this can of potatoes no. <laughs> it's a guideline no oh okay also, can of potatoes? Yeah. Canned potatoes. <laughs> I remember eating canned potatoes a couple times as a kid. That was nasty. Look, it's an apocalypse. Oh. We'll eat canned potatoes if we have to. Look, here's the real deal, okay? <laughs> potatoes don't need to be canned. They basically come that way. They don't need that much preservation. They last a really long time. <laughs> Dig a hole in the dirt and shove them in there, and it's going to be fine. That's okay. So same could be said with my body. <laughs> That's Just terrible. Just all the that dirt, is... and shove it in there, and it'll be fine. That is terrible, Nick. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. Seriously, uh, sorry, it's the first thing I thought of. Was oh a death joke. Oh my gosh. Well, you are, you know, of the two of us, you are the darker one. Thank in you. terms of humor, I tan frequently. That's not what I meant. I said, oh. Talking about humor, Nick. Um, <laughs> um, My brand of humor can be off color, sure, but at least it's not orange. <laughs> Listen, tanning joke, I guess. I think it's not. Oh, okay. Uh, what were you saying? So, I was talking about baking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> So I use uh, a recipe as a guideline, which I don't do typically. I really like to follow rules. Um, I'm great at following rules. I think that they're great unless they're dumb and then I don't listen to them. Um, <laughs> but that being said, <laughs> um, I really wanted to try something different. I was making cupcakes. The kids wanted me to make cupcakes. Nick is losing it. What is going on? Oh, just because I know you, so I'm picturing, you know, no, it says two eggs exactly, not two and a half, not three eggs, like two <laughs> eggs exactly, 75 miles on the highway, I'll be fine doing 90. It's I like, that, don't where's do that. the line? I, where's, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I follow the speed limit and I'm quite a good driver. Yeah. Mm, I am. Absolutely. Listen. I, I agreed with you. You agreed sarcastically. One of us has never gotten any tickets. One of us has not. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Probably Sarah, because you got a parking <laughs> ticket before. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Crap. I've never had a moving violation. How about that? I've never gotten a ticket for a moving violation. Neither have I. <laughs> I've never gotten one either. <laughs> wow, this is impressive. All three of us not in the same room together. I will say, I will say the, uh, so before you continue, I, I have, I have been pulled over a few times, but I've only ever received warnings. The, uh, few I've gotten two parking tickets. Well, I've never been profiled. So that's a different story for a different time. Are you sure? Okay, it's Cause I tan. Cause it's right? a good one. Now the, uh, the first one was because I, did not see the fire hydrant that I was parked too close to in this alleyway in high school mm. where, where like high school juniors and seniors would park. And so like, I got like that, you know, 30 feet ticket thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the dumbest ticket I've ever received was a uh, $10 ticket mm-hmm. for parking in my own driveway, but over the sidewalk in a- <laughs> When they changed the rule, like, yeah. one year to, like, you can't block the sidewalk, like, even in your own driveway, they could ticket you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so stupid. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. yep, so that's the only only tickets. Non-moving violations. Non-moving violations. Same. So continue, rule so, breaker. Anyway, look, I follow rules that should be followed. I Cake break- baker, rule maker. I... <laughs> I break rules that are dumb, okay? So anyway, here's the thing. I made cupcakes. The kids wanted me to make cupcakes. One part of it turned out really great, and the other part of it was not so great. Um, Ironically, the thing that turned out really great was the recipe that I used as a guideline, and I did what I wanted. And the one that was not so great um, I followed the recipe and it was pretty horrible. Um, mm. so I made these like citrus cupcakes. Um, but I was just going off of like a regular vanilla cupcake recipe. Um, cause I couldn't find, a, like a lemon cupcake that didn't include poppy seeds and wasn't like using yogurt and junk like that. Um, and I didn't have yogurt and junk like that. So, um, so anyway. I uh, I just added lemon zest, um, lots and lots of lemon zest to the sugar. And that I did get guidance on from uh, my sister-in-law because she's a master baker. Um, and she said, you mix the zest in with the sugar and it distributes better and more evenly into the rest of the cupcake batter. So I did that. Um, but the other thing is that it called for like... Cupcakes usually, you know, they call for like butter or margarine or um, or uh, like a Crisco type situation. And I was like, no, I'm going to use olive oil. And I know that Ooh. sounds weird, but I remember Ooh. like reading about this olive oil cake. And so I decided to do olive oil instead of the Crisco margarine butter situation. And uh, they turned out really good. The, the cake portion, yes, was good. The cake portion was good. And then I followed a recipe for the frosting, and it was horrible. It was cloyingly, oh, no. cloyingly sweet. And, like... Cloyingly. It was cloyingly sweet. And uh, just, like... Look up the like, word cloying. You don't know what it is? 
No, I said kids. Look up the oh, word kids. coin. <laughs> um, anyway. Dear reader. Dear readers. Look and, up coin. Uh, but the, the thing that really frustrated me more than anything else was that it was not really a frosting. It was a glaze. And not even yeah, a good exactly glaze. What it was. Not it even remi- a good glaze. It reminded me of like those lemon cakes you'd buy at the store that are pre-made with like the hardened glaze on top. Yeah, but that glaze is even thicker uh, like than this was. This was just like water. It was terrible. Sugar water. <laughs> so, uh, but that's what you did. That's what that's what I did and I also started listening. Bakes. I did some bakes and I you started listening. Some breaks. Can I finish what I'm saying? Thank y'all. I started <laughs> I started listening to um, some deep cuts from Andrew Bird that, uh, like, I enjoy all of his music, but some of it is definitely more experimental and odd uh, for to listen to for some people. Um, and some people don't really like it. I love it. I think that that's just some of the best stuff. And so um, started digging into that a little bit, and, uh, and I enjoyed that. That was nice. To, like, take in some of that uh, creative content. It was good. So, yeah. That's what I'm working on. That. Uh, <laughs> that was took a really long time, guys. Um, Sarah, what are you working on right now? Uh, so, I am working on my last and my biggest project of my education, which is my senior project. And this project is pretty much, we get to decide what we do for it. And um, as long as the project is big enough to last the whole semester. And so what I chose for my senior project was I am basically creating a nonprofit that focuses on educating people about endangered species within their own area through the main course of entry to my uh, organization, I guess, is through the web. And so it's this online portal that makes it easy to access profiles about endangered species, um, you know, within the country, within the state, within Mm. your county, um, all organized and used basically for educational purposes. Um, And so that's kind of like the first part is this, web platform um, that could be used in classrooms or just personally. But the next part, um, awareness-wise, so we started with the awareness, right? And then Mm -hmm. now, you know, I want people to do something about it. So I, on this website, you can order this kit that would be, um, I guess, customized to your area. Mm-hmm. And so you would receive this basic, it's not like a subscription service, it's like a one-time thing, but you get this mm-hmm. box that would have um, some information about, you know, endangered species in your area, but then also give you the tools to start planting um, plants in maybe your own yard or mm-hmm. your own house that help support um wildlife in your area and Mm. help encourage endangered species. So like for instance, in Illinois, uh, we actually, 
the rusty path bumblebee is endangered in Illinois. And so, mm. you know, if you were to order the or- Illinois kit, it would provide you with seeds that specifically attract those kind of bees and help them pollinate. And so mm. each kit would maybe not be as customized, but at least be customized to your area to help people grow native gardens in their yards and things like that. So it's activism and it's, um, you know, doing something about the endangered species levels. So that's cool. That is really cool. That's awesome. Um, I'm actually part of a a Facebook group about like native plants and pollinators and stuff like that. And, uh, this it is very disorganized actually <laughs> and i'm not saying i'm not saying that in a mean way but it's for yeah, yeah. like people all over like all over mm-hmm. the country like and, and so you know you might ask like oh what's i don't how do i figure out what's native to my area or whatever and people are like well you should look it up and i'm like i'm trying that's what i'm doing right yeah. now um you know and you get like uh conflicting feedback and things like that so that sounds awesome to have something that is um more streamlined and um specific to like your state and your area and in a way Mm -hmm. that you can actually do something about it so that is super cool that's awesome thank you i'm very excited about it so wow (laughs) that is really really cool um so that sounds like a ton of work um so with regard to like the um awareness side of things um how do you do that how did you kind of get that started like like where i got the idea from essentially or um that yes and also (laughs) how do you like how did you go about like making people more aware or how how do you plan to go about doing that oh okay um so the idea kind of came from a conversation that i actually had with my mom um Mm -hmm. I called her at the very beginning of the semester and I was running some ideas by her and I was like, I'm not really feeling too motivated by any of these things. And Mm -hmm. then we started talking about the reintroduction of wolves in Yellowstone and how Mm. the loss of the wolf population impacted the entire ecosystem there. Yeah. Um, And then how the reintroduction of wolves completely changed the ecosystems there Mm -hmm. and I just, you know, I feel really strongly about climate change and, um, you know, I've grown up in a family that values taking care of the planet. And so Mm. that's something that I see in myself, but I don't necessarily see a lot in my peers, which is really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're in the middle of, you know, this, the, I think it's the six mass extinction, like right now. Uh, Mm. in our time period and it's happening really fast. And so trying to get people to understand that if these endangered species go off, like become extinct, then our entire ecosystems are going to be impacted and we're going to have way more problems than, you know, what we're dealing with now. And so that was like, that kind of got the ball rolling into the project, but, um, Yeah, I luckily for this project, like even though it sounds like a really big project, it's got a really small scope. So in terms of like building a website, I only have to do like the Illinois 
like a user path that starts at the homepage and then gets all the way through like ordering this kit or whatever, mm-hmm. or, um, so I only have to create specific things. We don't necessarily have to build the whole organization from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but the, the biggest tools for it are, um, definitely a nice website. So that'll be, mm. um, developed. I, I will use, uh, I will do a lot of the front end stuff into a program that writes all the back end code for me. And then I can, you know, kind of fakely activate the website for my senior review, but, mm-hmm. um, and then everything else just kind of has to be mocked up and prototyped to a point where it looks done and it looks professional, mm-hmm. but there's no pressure to really create this beyond, you know, I'm only one person and I couldn't, I definitely couldn't make this database for the entire United States because right. I'm that not would, that smart. And well, it's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. That would require a lot a of information. Team. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's cool. Um, that I, I have a friend who actually just went back to school for um, environmental science. Um, and she is, yeah, she talks to me a lot about like, did you know that this species is, is going to be extinct? And like, this is something like similar to what you were saying, like about, um, the bumblebees that like, it's something that we often take for granted. And we think like, well, yeah, it's just, it's here and it's always been here and it's always going to be here. And, um, so one of the things that she spends a lot of time looking into is like how to make people aware and not just how to make them aware, but how to make them care about it. Like what you're saying, yeah. like this has a greater impact than simply this species not existing anymore. It makes a it makes a bigger impact um, on all yeah. of us. So yeah, right. Like one of so one of the biggest, I guess there's like I think there's twelve endangered mussels, like water mussels, in Illinois mm. that are endangered. And I sat down and I talked with a biologist, like a conservation biologist at NIU. And mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about my project and she helped me, um, you know, with some research and some pointers and stuff. And I asked her, I was like, so I guess, you know, I really care about this stuff, but how do I, you know, how do I get somebody to have like some sort of emotional empathy for a muscle that, mm. you know, <laughs> like yeah. you definitely don't have the same emotional attachment to a muscle as we would, you know, maybe like a, a bear or a moose or mm. something like that. And, you mm. know, how do we, like, how do I get people to care about something that seems so relatively, relatively unimportant? And, um, she gave me a lot of pointers and things to consider, mm. you know, in that, but yeah, yeah, there's, you know, it is, it's a weird situation. I mm. like, I personally don't feel any type of way about a water muscle, but right. <laughs> <laughs> according to the the thing that I'm making, like I have to, you know, how do I get somebody to care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, wow. That is, that is a huge project. Yeah. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's going to be difficult. Um, and I think in the best ways, the best things usually are the most difficult things to do. And, um, it's exciting to know that even with the crazy that is happening right now, that this type of project, even in its infancy, will be made because it sounds really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I would love to um, at least see it when when you're done, even though I, I know it's going to be like a mock-up version of it. But um, 
that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, no, I, I would love to, I'll probably, um, I am in the process of finishing up my website for, um, my portfolio website. So I'll Mm -hmm. probably post it all there and, um, it'll be spread across the social medias because it'll be about three months worth of work. So I'm going to, I'm going to post that everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, well, I, I think that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where people can find you. So if they wanted to check out your work, um, hire you to create something for them to do like some graphic work or, or any other types of art, where could people find you? I am on, uh, for, I guess my creative work, I'm on Instagram. So you can find me at Sarah Close, K-L-O-S. And then it's just an underscore at the very end of that. And mm-hmm. that is my profession. I'm, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. Oh. Um, professional. <laughs> I could hear Instagram. them though. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I have, I don't really update to that one as much as I should. Um, but I am in the process of finishing my portfolio website, but when it's done, you can check out my work and contact me there for any, um, creative things. If yeah, if you uh, you got any jobs or anything, I'm mm-hmm. I'm really getting nervous about the economy and <laughs> my future yeah. jobs. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's definitely a great time to mention for all of you listening. Like, obviously, you know, we as artists and creatives, you know, we do this for a living. Uh, whether it is part time or full time, there is a uh, an endeavor that we pursue, and just like. Sarah mentioned if there's something that you guys can do, um, you know, projects you have, uh, graphic design work, uh, web building, whatever it might be, uh, contact Sarah, use her, use her services, and continue to support artists everywhere um, as they pop up in your feed who um, you enjoy or you like listening to um, or you want to see succeed because that's how we take care of each other, Mm -hmm. especially during times like this. So make sure you check out Sarah's work and you support her in any way you can. Yeah. Yeah. So once my portfolio does come out, um, it's just sarahclose.com. Awesome. So that'll be out within uh, probably by the end of April. So. Oh, cool. Well, we'll have uh, we'll have links in the show notes, and if we need to update them uh, once that is up and ready, we will do that as well. But that'll be Mm -hmm. available, so all you guys listening can check that out and make sure again you support her, Um, not just with likes and follows, but you know hire user services uh, pay her to do things i I joke about this all the time with my friends in like the convention community who are also suffering and hurting right now when they're they're not you know doing art shows or conventions and things like that Mm -hmm. their income is taking a hit but likes and follows don't pay the bills so Mm -hmm. you know they don't feed your family yeah money does so you know and uh, i could joke about it but it's it's, in all seriousness you know the your support goes a long way. If you have the means to, everyone is struggling right now, but if you have the means to mm-hmm. make sure you're supporting people you care about, you like, and uh, definitely recommend Sarah and her services. Yes. Thank you. So Nick, where can people find you? 
So, uh, for again, you guys are listening to the show, so hopefully you found us in a convenient way. But stokethewild.com to check out all of the stuff that Joy and I produce uh, regarding writings, um, the podcast, merchandise, things like that, um, as well as on social media at stokethewild. But you can check out my personal art page at Nick Dertinger Art on Instagram or follow along at Nick Dertinger on Twitter. I, for, I, I finally went viral with a post. <laughs> So I've got, I've got one. one. I've got one post. I've just went had, crazy. Had one post go viral in my entire life, and it happened yesterday. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, a friend of mine. Well, a guy I went to college with. I won't say friend because I don't know if we're friends. But like, I went to college <laughs> with him, and we were in a couple of, like plays and things together, and we knew each other. Yeah. Uh, but he tweeted a response to an article about how in Washington D.C. they found um, a bunch of uh, uh, PPE in, masks yeah. in a crypt yeah. in Washington, D.C. And his comment was, who was the first person to say, oh, you know where there might be a bunch of masks that we can find and use? And I, my response was, Nicolas Cage in National Treasure 3 unmasking Washington. <laughs> and like, I posted it just right off the cuff, like within a minute or two of that his post going up, I happened to see it and made that post. And then a couple hours later, I like opened up my phone and it was like, there's been like a thousand like likes and like what? 200 retweets. And now it's close to like 4,000 likes and 300 <laughs> retweets. It's ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's that the dumbest. Is, thing. That is cracking me up right now. <laughs> it is. It's uh. super dumb, but um, yeah. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I gained like two followers. So I'm up to like 200 followers now. Hey. Um, well, super great. Uh, you can check that out at Nick Dertinger or at least go and look at that dumb tweet I made about Nicolas Cage that is going around. Yes. Yeah. I am looking for it right now. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, <laughs> Well, you can find me. I have never gone viral, um, but I definitely sometimes get salty on social media. So if you don't like that, like you don't have to follow me. It's okay. I, you won't hurt my feelings. But if you're okay with a little salt, you can find me <laughs> at JM Dertinger on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as I mentioned uh, the other night, Instagram is where I post weird and funny stuff most of the time um, and uh, just things that I think are beautiful. Um, and Facebook is just, it's Facebook. It's its own animal, you know, whatever. But, uh, Twitter is, is, uh, where I post my angry rants. And so, um, depending on what you're looking for, that's where you can find me. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's me. Um, you can email us. Did you already say our email? I'm going to say it again anyway. You can email us at stokethewild at gmail.com. And uh, please let us know what you're working on creatively throughout this time um, so that we can support you so that uh, we can all just kind of be in this together and chat back and forth about, you know, what's mm -hmm. going on in our lives. And as creatives, these kind of things, we need each other. We need support. We need community. And even though we're social distancing, so to speak, we don't have to be alone. We can still connect. Um, that is the beauty of the interwebs. So. Mm -hmm. That is the show. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope that you are keeping sane and keeping safe and staying healthy. Stay home. Stay safe and stay home. Stay home. Stay home. Yes, stay home. Stay home. Everybody, stay home. 
All right. Uh, thank you, Sarah, once again for joining us on the show. We super appreciate it. Yeah. And um, thank you so much again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, of insightful and. Um, Again, you know, we've had over the last few weeks just a couple of people who in the middle of this experience, you know, are um, as creatives and artists are, are handling things in different ways. And so it's great to have another perspective on, you know, what life is like for you right now in this moment, but also how as a creative you've learned things and are still pressing forward um, even into the unknown of, of what this looks like. So into thank you. The Great. Now I got to pay for the royalties of that song. No, um, you don't. This is like five seconds. It's fine. Uh, but thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. Guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will catch you guys next week. Bye.